Hello and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. I'm joined this evening uh, by the, the final two people who haven't been on the cast yet who are part of the, the main core crew of the podcast. We've got Steve Hogarty. Hello. And Kesa McDonald. Hello. How are you doing, guys? I'm great. How are you? I sounded really unsure about myself there, but I'm actually <laughs> really good. You are good. You've eaten a lot today. You I said. have eaten the air, so I'm digesting a lot of bread and cheese and eggs. <laughs> awesome. That's good. <laughs> that makes me feel better because uh, we had a frittata and you were nibbling at it very tentatively. Mm. But now I realise you just... all it all went in, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to check your pockets. <laughs> um, so yeah, what have you guys been playing this week? Have you played anything? At all, I've not. I, I, the thing is, there's no judgment here because this week, particularly, as you can see, like I'm in the process of packing up, and actually, as soon as pretty much after we finish this podcast, I'm gonna all of the equipment we're using to record it will be dissembled, packed, so, gone. Moving I, on I've life. I've played about ten minutes of Professor Layton versus uh, the. Uh, Marvel. <laughs> Marvel. 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 I'll tell you what, though, Professor Layton versus Marvel <laughs> could be really good. I think it'd be great. I'd be into that. You could do the hat combo. I finished that game. I played it for like 30 something hours. Really? Yeah. I don't quite know why, because I stopped enjoying it after about five. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I was just sort of basically enjoyable, but I, I stopped loving it after. I mean, I'm still in the latent bits. Oh, see, it does it does this really unfair thing, and this isn't, this isn't really a spoiler, but it does this really unfair thing where it goes. So Phoenix Wright is coming to London. He and Professor Layton are going to hang out. It's going to be amazing. Here's Gumshoe. Oh, it's going to be great. You're going to have so much interaction. And then they all get sucked into a magical fantasy land. Yeah. And then from then on, the story is about this bullshit magical fantasy land that I don't give a crap about. Hmm. And although you still have Layton and Luke and you still have Maya and Phoenix, it's like, well, where's all the other characters and all the other stuff and all the other backstory that I was hoping to see mashed up here? You just basically took two great characters and put them in an entirely separate story. I'm a bit out of the loop with some of the some of the backstory stuff like I played I've played the first um, Professor Layton and it really boggled my brain a lot of it I've got to be honest it made me feel stupid but then also clever like as any good puzzle game should yes and I've played a few of the Phoenix Wright games but I found them very frustrating because they kept they kept changing like the things that they didn't need to change and not fixing the things that they really needed to fix. They also weren't in chronological order, were they? Neither no, series. No, neither they, series they is in chronological order. It's really weird. Like, there's this thing, I, I, I actually had the same issue. I haven't played a, a latent game for ages. I've played, I played one, four, and this one, I think. Maybe a bit of two at some point. But about halfway through the game, it's like, oh, Luke can talk to animals. Like, <laughs> what? When did that happen? Apparently it happened in like game three. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh no, Luke can talk to animals now. It's just accepted. Mm. And I was like, right, why is he talking to why this did, dog? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did I miss something? And dogs witness loads of crime. So <laughs> Previously on later. <laughs> Luke, you can talk to dogs. <laughs> yes, Professor. <laughs> that was essentially it, but I missed it completely. I've so the same thing happen. in the in the Phoenix Wright games in the fact that occasionally it'll be like it'll bring up something and I'm like is that a reference to is that like an in-joke or is that a clue should I remember that or is it just mm. don't use the limited, just... the limited memory capacity of my brain to remember this small bit of information yeah but I like them but it, I found it frustrating the way that it, I loved it in one of them like you could do the they had I think it was in the first Phoenix Wright they had a couple of new cases that they'd added towards the end of it which were like you had could rotate objects in 3D and look for clues. Yeah, yeah L.A. Noir style. <laughs> it was originally a Game Boy Advance game. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And when they brought it to DS, That's they right. had also the new DS features oh, in the last They added case. in the rotating. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the 3D rotation, and you could like zoom in and look, and, and properly like examine objects for clues. And it was really cool. And I finished that thinking, oh, this is going to be so good. When the next one comes out, it, all of the cases are going to have that. Just didn't, like, just didn't bring it back. Yeah. Did you see the news about the newest, the next... Um, it's in the 19th century, isn't yes. it? Yes. Now, what I'm interested in is how the hell are they going to figure out... Because in the localization, they've always pretended that Phoenix and Maya are American, even though it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> mm. Even when it, it, it like patently stops making sense that she lives in a Buddhist temple and there's a medium, they're like, oh, she's in Missouri. They just they just always have just dodged yeah, around. Yeah, her parents now, are like really chilled out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they've basically... Now they're like, well, now it's set in 19th century Japan. How are you going to get around that? I really hope the localization is just like, we're in the pilgrim times now. <laughs> this is Boston. Uh, let's, we need to travel across America. Because yeah. oh. <laughs> they do like pretend. I don't. Even oh. when there's like onigiri and stuff, they, 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 they say like sandwich in the in the localization. But like, I'm eating a sandwich and he's clearly eating like a rice ball. 
<laughs> obviously. I mean, I just think as well. Like, I like all the I like all the forensic stuff as well. They can't do forensics, can they? I'm a bit concerned because actually, I I don't really like it. I didn't like it in Phoenix Wright when they started getting a bit supernatural with it. I liked uh, it when it was like Jonathan Creek. The see, game. that's exactly right. Yeah. And unfortunately, the Leighton versus Ace Attorney is all about. Well, it's not. Well, actually, that's the thing. It's like it pops it's, it's up. A, which witchcraft and stuff is like a, a running theme. Well, it's in, in um. In Leighton, they always had mysticism, but it was the, the kind of Scooby Doo style mysticism. That's right. Where yeah. at the end, you go, oh, this is the reality of what happened. Yeah, yeah. And then it was all always like a little twist, like, oh, but maybe it was wasn't all just a dream. Um, so I kind of like that. I love the story in the first Leighton when it ended. I mean, just I don't know. I was really I was really touched by that, but it was really clever and interesting. I and thought that was lovely. Yeah, it was really nice, especially because I didn't expect it. I was like, this game doesn't have a story. Leighton versus Right does have that twist at the end that's really rewarding and, and touching as well. But then I thought about it for more than five minutes. I, I, I'm pretty. I'm not, I'm not enormously, enormously like picky when it comes to plot holes and stuff. But I'm pretty sure there are some really glaring things that don't make any sense. I'm sure. Well, I'm a bit. I don't know. I've only like I said. I've played it for about five, ten minutes. Um, and I'm like, just because I, I finished. Um, Bravely Default I played some Monster Hunter and I realised I got to the point with Monster Hunter I was, to, Monster I was talking Hunter. about this last so uh, last podcast in the second podcast which will not be spoken of we've not had a good run so far but hopefully in the future we be better that's because you've not had me and Steve <laughs> I think it's basically <laughs> both times we've had Joe and Quinns and the podcast has gone horribly wrong so I think there's some sort of ley line going on between them mm. um, but yeah I, I've got the point in Monster Hunter where I've got to Lucretius or whatever the big the big thing oh the lionfish thing yeah his name. what's his name the Lagri- I've killed like four Lag- not Lagiacris Lag- yeah something like that is, is, it what, may as well Lagiacris that. the big dragon guy or the lion no it's the underwater thing you see at the start that scares you off oh that's Lagiacris yeah, yeah I see sorry this is Laggy you know anything about uh, no I'm once under in my blind spot I'm gonna bore your tits off <laughs> this. it's alien as fuck if you've not played one and, and it's kind of so like good though it's really charming though at first it kind of gets its teeth into you because of the fact that you play it and you're just like, what the fuck is this? Because at first it seems really normal and you're like, oh, this is just a really simple like RPG thing. And then you realise it isn't. Yeah, and then you start man. to realise all the weird stuff about it and you're like, this is strange. Why place. does everybody on this island have assless chaps? Yeah. Why do these little cats have clothes? Why is this little pig dressed as a melon? This yeah. sounds incredible. Well, that's it's, it's it. Seriously, the, one thing that nobody ever talks about with Monster Hunter is... Assless chaps. It's really funny. <laughs> It's hilarious. It has a lot of stupid shit in it that's just so lighthearted and beautiful and funny and a mile away from the kind of usual po-faced, boring-ass game story where it's like, the, you must protect the village from the dragon because reasons. The pig is uh, actually a really good thing. It's so good. I mean, because there have been multiple layers of me not understanding it and thinking, like, oh, actually, I get it now. And then being like, oh, maybe I don't get it. And then trying to understand stuff like the way the equipment system works and being like, what the fuck is this? Uh, but at this moment where like, I was looking on a thread about how to kill something and those people said, oh, you, did you hug the pig before you went on the mission? Yeah, you got to hug the pig for and the buff. You've got to hug pig the pig buff. But then the thing is, the pig buff <laughs> is this thing and this is one of these, <laughs> it's one of these lovely little like um, gaming stories that I'm glad I know now is the fact that like there's a little pig at the farm where you can go to the farm and you can produce like items easier than going and collecting them but if you and then you've got this fat little pig that you can give it a cuddle. Um, with the, good timing. Yeah, but that's the thing is it, it has exactly the same thing as the the food cooking thing where it plays a little tune when you're cooking the meat. So tasty as it says in the English version. But there's a there's basically the pig is the cause of some sort of like massive debate because some people say that the pig is only there to be a practicing tool for the cooking. So that you can practice hugging the pig to practice getting the timing right for cooking meat. Oh. But other people are sure that, that hugging the biff That's gives you a boot, a buff yeah. that increases your luck and gives you a better chance of finding items. But the thing is, the pig buff has never been proven. I'm on right. team pig buff, though. Oh, like, it's I, so I, dark. I, want, I want pig buff to be real. I don't think it is real, though. I've looked it up and everyone no. says there's no evidence to suggest that hugging the pig does everything. I believe and yet, anyway, I believe. And yet loads of people, before they go on a mission... We'll hug the pig. We'll go and hug the pig. I prefer to think that the pig gives... Hugging the pig gives you a pig buff rather than some being some dark, ironic testing ground for eating bacon. <laughs> you must hug the pig to practice eating pigs. That's yeah. not cool. That's That's a good not point. That is a good point. But, there's so many things uh, like that as well. Like there's, there's all these like weird theories about where monsters go because they they kind of fly around 
they must have patterns, but you'll find them in one area, and then when you fight them, they'll fuck off somewhere else when they when they think when you give them a bit of stabbing, and they usually sleep in a certain place. But sometimes you'll fight something that you fought sixty times, like a barrier or something, and then it will go somewhere else. It will just hide somewhere completely un- unexpected, and you have to paintball them to know where they are. So when you fought a monster lots of times, you know where it hides. You tend to not bother with the paintballing because you're like, oh no, I know, I know this guy. I know what's up with this guy. I know where he's going. And then just different, one yeah. time in fifty, he'll just go hide somewhere else. And there's all these theories about when that happens and why that happens and what happens if you do a certain thing. If that happens, it's very Dark Soulsy almost. Hmm. There's a lot of myth- mythology around Monster Hunter. There is it's such a good game. It is a really good game, but it's I've hit that point basically because I've been playing it on 3DS and. I've played for about 30 hours and I was I was chatting to Quinns last week and I sort of said oh I'm just about to kill the Lagrucius or whatever and he's like oh yeah you're about to hit the point in the game where you really not need to start playing it like multiplayer I got otherwise... an into Monster Hunter I know, I know yeah Monster you said. Hunter mummy <laughs> um, and I'm just like well it had started to get a bit grindy and I was like I don't really have time to meet up and play it with people that much so I was like well I, I need a new game to play uh, so I, I thought Leighton um, um, well Leighton versus right it's certainly not grindy I know, but it's annoying because the start of it, five minutes into Leighton versus Wright, and it adds a new mysteries, mysteries to Leighton's book that we've got to solve. And it's kind of pissed me off because I know, having read some reviews about it, that it is like set in this supernatural land. And so it's like, oh, that appeared to be a witch. And it kind of annoys me that it's like, well, it is a witch. And it's not like, ah, well, you know, mm. it looked like it was a witch, but actually... Yeah, the forensic process falls down when witches get involved. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is part of the issue is that like the game... The trials are witch trials, and obviously they don't have any normal trial stuff there. So you have to just end up pulling this mad shit and, and you know, using evidence. Mm. And they're like, we don't care about evidence, witch, witch. And you're like, but, but, but now I'm just... And so so all the, the, the trials end up going on this just bizarre sort of logic-free rollercoaster. And what I really liked about Phoenix Wright is the way that you piece everything together and then it makes sense logically. Mm. And the, unfortunately in this game that doesn't happen until right at the very end because everything doesn't make sense because you can't know the big twist. Right. That was often where the Phoenix Wright games fell down was that if you figure it out before the game wants uh, yes. yeah. you'd be like, you go, well, this is the evidence. Yeah. And, and then like, oh. he smashed her in the head with a vase. Go, yeah. Well, no, you need to say that you found the coin on the floor first yeah. and then you can tell us that he's yeah, and that's what I mean that's why I stopped playing them is actually because of the fact that it was that thing of you only had like three or four chances to get it wrong and then you have to stop the whole case again yeah oh dude and it was just horrendously archaic so irritating like, really you want me to play the same half an hour again that's how it works in real courts though <laughs> <laughs> everybody clear the room we're going to try Starting this again. again we're going back retrial tomorrow <laughs> they do actually do that though they do retrials <laughs> We did something wrong. <laughs> ignore everything that everyone just said. I know he almost looked like he admitted it, but just ignore that. Yes, the, <laughs> music, again. the music in the courtroom did change. It went up tempo. <laughs> that, that's not an indicator of guilt. We may or may not have been onto something. <laughs> I've been playing my 3DS as well. I've been playing Tomodachi Life. Yes, tell me about it. Well, I mean, the thing is, I actually watched... Um, Another Dark Soul guy, Gav, uh, did a video yeah. for CVG, which is amazing. Yeah. It's on two now, actually. They're really His good. Tomodachi Life Diaries. His second one was like... At first, I was really confused because it was a real-life song that was being sung. And I was like, has he... Was this in the game? Was this pop song already in the game? And I realised he's been typing them in because it ended with Pauline Quirk in a Link from Legend of Zelda outfit singing the tune to um, Birds of a Feather. Right. Yep. So it's basically a mix between, I'm trying to think, it's like Sims style, uh, Sims and Animal Crossing is the obvious comparison, but there's another less obvious comparison that's kind of flown away from my head right now. But essentially you have an island and then you are the mistress or master of this island and you create a bunch of people to live on it. So I've got myself, my partner, some friends and a lot of the present and past cast of RuPaul's Drag Race, mm. which is good. But going, RuPaul seems to be well. a popular theme. There's this coterie of games journalists, people who are obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm one of them. Me too. There are yeah, a lot of them, are you? I've never seen Gab it. as well. I've... I want to go to Madame Jojo's and watch it live for the finale. Absolutely. You're it's watching the latest season right now? Yeah. I won't derail it. We won't talk too much about RuPaul's Drag Race, but I have, I've made like an island full of drag queens, which is ace. Uh, and, uh, and obviously my friends and family too, which is cool. So it's got this kind of horrible capitalist core where you make your little me's happy and then they give you money so you can buy them more stuff, which makes them happier. So they give you more money. Mm. And that's kind of the core of the game. This sort of weird acquisitive... Doesn't sound like a very stable economy. No, it's not. It's really not. (laughs) A smile is literally worth a hundred pounds in this game. (laughs) 
And so you have you have this, but but when it starts to get weird, it's like you've made everyone and they're all there and you've had a little chat with them and they've got their weird little synthesized voices. But then, oh, here's where the third comparison comes in. It's also a lot like WarioWare in that there's a lot of strange, surreal, mini gamelet things going on at all times. Like you'll, you'll, you'll kind of look at your me and they'll have like a bit of something on their face. And they'll be like, I've got something on my face. Can you get it for me? And like a real life like Monty Python style hand will just reach onto the screen and start rubbing at their face if you touch it. They do speak like like Siri voices, yeah, don't they? Yeah, they have Definitely. Siri voices, but you can change the pitch and the tone and the accent and stuff. So huh. you can kind of reasonably, well, not approximate, but you can you can differentiate people's voices. But so I, I made Little Barry, who is the lead singer of the band Little Barry and also the guitarist of Primal Scream um, <laughs> in, in the game, don't ask why. And he was the first guy. And when they level up, you can give them like a gift or you can teach them a song or you can like give them some other you can give them an expression and stuff so I taught him a song and then I realised that I could edit the song so I just put in like one of his actual songs but then the game reinterprets it and puts it in its own like weird tune <laughs> and it's weird rhythm so that's what I'm talking about it was probably a bit cryptic when I yeah. mentioned it earlier but it's the fact that it's it's in Gav's video it has uh, his me, which is designed to look like Pauline Quirk, singing the lyrics of the Birds of a Feather theme tune to a but weird to a different tune. song. And also it's phonetically done, so they'll say weird pronunciation sometimes. Yeah. I did spend like 15 minutes trying to get it to say Keza correctly. <laughs> Keza. I'm Keza McDonald's. No, no, I'm not. Ke, ki, ki. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can put in a phonetic spelling of your name okay. and, and of everything in the game. So if it, if it does mess up, like it, it struggled with Latrice Royale. I, well. I, I imagine it would yeah so when it messes up you just like put in lat reese roy al and it, it gets it which that's is really i like that a really lot. really yeah. useful ah. also i'm on um i'm on a really boring medical exclusion diet right now which means i can't eat anything so in the game i'm just constantly feeding my me like spaghetti bolognese and chips <laughs> eating vicariously yeah i'm just literally sitting there feeding her custard pies and everything i mean else. is there like any like is there any are there any like problems with that I'm not talking about you. I'm not saying the sort of psychologically. This isn't like Jeremy Carr. <laughs> Is there anything concerning about the way you're approaching this game? Do, do you worry? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I'm just. I mean, like, I'm just trying to think. Let's, for example, do you remember Fable Two? I love the fact that in Fable Two it was this flippant thing of being like just being able to do all this silly shit, and it was like, but it almost became amazing when after days and days of you just doing flippant silly shit just because it was funny, you then realised there were possibly consequences, and you realised that you were irredeemably fat and your wife had left you and and it was like that was almost like oh because I'm just intrigued by Tom and Dachi Life I'm not sure if I'll even play it because everyone's had such early access to it that I feel like by the time it comes out I might know too much about it there's not an mm. awful lot to know and it's just, well, it's the just other like thing every, me, yeah. every day it's just a bit weird and a bit different and the thing that really grabs me by the figurative balls is the surrealism of it I love Nintendo's surrealism. Mm. They, they do the best weird games out there. Like Japan used to do a load of weird games, but since the PS2 era, the whole Japanese games industry has been slowly dying. So an absolutely unique sense of humour in games yeah. as well. Like no one else. Like Monster Hunter is the same kind of surrealism. Just that kind of weird, funny, bizarre sense of humour. And Tomodachi Life is ace at that. And it's got loads of just... And like, for instance, so I got a reward from, from my me. She gave me some bath salts. So I was like, what the hell do I do with these? So I used it. And then I just had to watch one of my me's have a bath. <laughs> and there wasn't like an exit or anything. So I just ended up watching like one of my drag queens have a bath for like five minutes while they kind of sang and steam kind of rethread. And I'm like, what is happening here? Why am I watching them? have? Can I get out of this? Do I have to wash them? I was trying to Nintendo get up. I was trying to like rubber. It's just, it's, it's such a weird game. It surprises me every day. I've been playing it for a week. Um, I hope it will continue to surprise me every day for longer. Cause That's the thing. So I haven't played Tomodachi. So like, I wonder if it's one of those games like Wario where, where once you see everything that the game has... Uh, Probably. It's, it's probably going to just like run its course, then that's it. Well, WarioWare is the best game in the world for about an hour. Mm. And I think Tomodachi, like, I mean, so far it's been, it's been pretty... Like, I'm more, getting it's like, more into it as The surrealism time. sounds ace. Like, I mean, like, Gav been talking... It was just, I think it was actually the, the final five seconds of Gav's latest little diary video that cracked me up the most, where it was just like, everyone in my house has fallen in love with Slenderman, and... Uh, Tyrion Lannister has just been spends all his time digging on the beach. I don't know why he hasn't. He's never find anything. <laughs> that's it, that's and it was it. like this incredulous. It was like a twang of just him being so confused when he's saying it. It's just like uh, it, it just got. Like, I don't know what's going on in this game at all. It just spawns really interesting stories because I think on day one, uh, like a newsflash popped up saying Pauline Quirk had started selling bagels on the park. <laughs> yeah, and you could go visit Pauline Quirk in the park, yeah, and her bagel sales bagels, aren't yeah. going very well. And then uh, I think he bought five bagels, and Pauline Quirk said. 
I'm going to give you something a little bit extra, and it was three more bagels. <laughs> <laughs> I know, pops a little something for you in the back. Oh, what is, is it? It's more bagels. <laughs> That's it. It's just it's so weird and funny. And but I worry with the whole like because again I think Gav said something similar. Just being like, I just watched this person go on holiday, and it was like a forty-second video that I couldn't skip. As Steve says, I think as soon as it hits that point where it's like I've seen this before. If you can't skip it, yeah. that just goes from but being I'm, like bizarre to being like, oh, fuck I'm off, really, man. really looking forward to when they start having babies with each other because apparently there's like a whole thing that happens when they have kids and then those kids grow up and they travel the world and it's just all like a massive long Sims thing. Mm. This is reminding me though of what I have a really bad Sims problem. Like I've not played a Sims in seven or eight years because I can't. Like they just, I end up not eating for three days. Because they're too addictive. I got really hooked to them as well, yeah. horribly. And Sims 2, I remember my, um, I created, I was about 13 or 14 when that came out, and I was cr- created everyone in my family. And my dad walked into the like, computer room, and he just saw this, like, because I'm good with character creators, he just saw this <laughs> perfect facsimile of our family, like, walking around <laughs> on screen, and his face, he just went, what are you doing? <laughs> and I, I did not have an answer for him. I was like, I am watching us do life <laughs> you know and he just couldn't like he was just like this is fucking weird you are weird yeah, and I like, feel a bit like you... that with Tomodachi Life now it's just like, is this just really weird am I weird but then it's so fun it's so much fun mm. if he'd walked into your room and you'd made like lifelike dolls of your family I think that's what he saw and were saw playing as. with them that, that would be so creepy to <laughs> yeah. see I think that's what he was touching on exactly. <laughs> do you want to daddy I'm playing with my puppet daddy <laughs> Puppet Daddy has a job. He is a movie star. Puppy Daddy reads me stories. But no, I mean, I think The Sims was like almost. I think the thing is, Tommy, that she life is different because it's so flippant and silly and weird. You don't, and you don't have to micromanage. The Sims was like, I think, weirder because it wasn't weird. And it the was Sims, too real, actually. It was. It was like it was too real, but it was. It was the, the elements that were fantastical and the elements of the Sims which were strange were like um, really aspirational. They just they were like kind of uh, caricatures of real aspirations. Yeah, like I which, want to be a rocket scientist. Yeah, it just made it a bit darker moon. in a way because mm. it was like you were just playing a very realistic sort of version of life, except with everything amped up in terms of like money being important and jobs being important and, and having the ability to to become like world famous in any career. I had a very depressing life in The Sims, I think three. No, it must have been two still. But I stopped I, after I two it. for the same reason. Yeah. I, I got too hooked to it and I just, I used to pour so many hours into it. You know that fountain of life you could get that stops your Sim from aging? Yes. You could get it because, you know, they aged and died in two. And so I got that, but there was only enough for one person to have it every day and so obviously they gave it to me. So I got to the point where like my children were like old and dying in game <laughs> oh. children, but I was still like a young scientist and everything was fine for me. But then like it just got really weird after they that. Did I had these in. kind of fat old yeah. sons kind Quite of existential. Yeah, and yeah. I and I, and at that point I just started thinking the game was a very, very strange because it is this kind of cheating death thing. It was kind of showing me the consequences of cheating death, which is watching everybody that you know grow up and die and yeah. grow up grow old and die. And I was like, wow, this is actually taught me something now yeah all those though because that's like end of end of career perks aren't they the phantom mm. of youth and one of the other i think you, you could also get a money tree yeah that yeah. was one money i don't know what the downsides to having a money tree what <laughs> life lessons you learn from having a all money the other tree. all the other plants in your garden die it's something like Poison. that i think, yeah, I think it, it i'm is pretty that. sure they all had like ups and downs yeah mm. But I like that. It's like, do you really want these things that everybody wants? Eternal life, money, happy, you know, all this stuff. It's like, well, there was some. Will it make you happy? I remember, yeah, there was some surprisingly dark stuff in The Sims. Or wasn't there a love potion that can make anyone fall in love with you, but they Mm -hmm. wouldn't be happy? Like they they they'd fall in love with you, but they wouldn't be happy. I think they'd be sad. Yeah, they'd they'd they'd, you never pissing themselves constantly. (laughs) 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 That happens to everyone who falls in love with me. To be honest. I still think though the first Sims game was my favourite just because of the fact that and it was something that they did have a darker dark tone in the future games but in different ways as you say like they were more like you know life what benefits. do you actually want from life but what I what loved about the first game and they didn't continue to any degree was the whole consumerist thing because mm-hmm. the first game was just like taking the piss out of Asu. absolutely was, yeah, yeah that was the like the underlying joke wasn't it yeah I think it's a great it was one of the really it was annoying actually because it was one of the big things I really really wanted to do a bit about in the 
the TV show that we did recently about games. I wanted to make a point about how the the Sims is this hilarious thing and the fact that it, it was making a really smart point about consumerism and about how all the really expensive stuff was only a tiny bit better than the stuff before, but it cost a fortune. And all the descriptions were like basically just bollocks. Yeah. yeah. You, did, you did get a sentence about that in the show, didn't you? Um, I can't remember, but it was, the, it was more the fact that then The Sims 2 became an incredible parody of it and was just yeah. about... The descriptions have always been good, right up to the most yeah. recent. Like, uh, I don't know if they have got the same writers basically doing these. They're really sort of. Uh, Can you imagine a soulless Sims? Like, how bad that would be? Like one with just normal writing. I guess it would be like humor. Yeah. Seven Deadly Sins. <laughs> oh God. Buy this; it will make you happier. <laughs> God. But then it was all this because I mean your reviews were kind of famous to a degree. I've read some of them. Oh, that was a like, EA milking their money's worth out of The Sims with endless expansion packs and stuff and they really knew the Katy Perry one I remember being a thing Katy Perry there was an Ikea furniture pack and an H&M oh so that actually, is, that actually is depressing um, it was basically yeah you're paying the parody £10 is... to be advertised to yeah the parody has now turned in on itself again <laughs> yes um, but uh, it always it's, it's always got a soft spot in my heart The Sims games I yeah think. I love them and I, the this, oh, it is The Sims 4 they're working on now, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sort of glad that Maxis and EA got slapped so hard on the wrist for SimCity, the most recent SimCity game with it's always online and, yeah. and the, it's DRM and stuff. Online and, didn't work out either. and they've stripped it all back down again. And with Sims 4 now, they're saying it's going to be proper single player. They're not going to force people to have an on a connection to play it. Yeah. So it might have just averted disaster slightly. That's the thing. I, I kind of feel really weird because I, I played SimCity and not when it came out. I played about a week and a half after launch when they had solved most of the server issues. Mm. I really liked it. And it's one of those games where like I, I you feel like you're at risk, you know? Yeah, Grand Theft Auto Online was like that. It's like the man um, the man who knows too much, you know? I felt like as a journalist who, who was actually actively enjoying SimCity, I felt... Like my life was in danger. <laughs> it's, it was rough. Like, I mean, GTA Online. I had the unenviable pleasure of reviewing that or trying to. In the end, it turned out to be completely unreviewable. But for the first week, it was an unplayable game, mm. in which I had some of the best times I've ever had in a multiplayer game. But then, I got, you know, my character got wiped. Like everything bad that could happen happened to me with GTA Online. It was awful. But then, about a month on, it was just a you know, it was a pretty pretty fun multiplayer game. It was really mm. really good mm. good laughs. It was pretty great. Well, I just really enjoyed SimCity because it was a fun city building game, and it became this thing of being like because there was such a fervent hatred for it and a fervent hatred for what he had done with it and about how it wasn't working and all this stuff. It was really difficult because I was just like, yeah, but it's quite fun. But then it became that the bigger arguments were like, yeah, the systems, does, the systems work, don't work. So I think a lot of the yeah. genuine criticisms of that game. The traffic they're, they're right. They're right. Did it. Yeah, like the mm-hmm. traffic system didn't work properly and there was weird traffic jams and uh, sims, they were talking about having every sim having a persistent life, but sims every day they'd get up and just walk to the nearest job which I don't know about you guys, but that's not how jobs work. <laughs> I wish it were. It would cut my commute. Yeah. As, uh, as working freelance, that's exactly how my job works. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I, I remember I, the point at which I actually got really annoyed with it was when I built like three or four different cities within an area and it just like the, the economics between them didn't work. And a lot of people said, like, oh, it's not an accurate simulation. And I'm like, I don't, really, I don't really care about that as long as it fudges it enough for me to feel real. But I had this crazy system where I was like, I had only had two cities within the whole area. They both had train stations, right? And one of them had like um, 20,000 people leaving on a train to go to work every day. And then the other one had like 500 people arriving every day. And it was like, where are they, all going? Where oh, are they going? Right? <laughs> that it's is like, terrifying. And it's like, I hadn't, I hadn't built any other cities. I didn't really have any friends on Origin either, because I know one of these people who logs into online systems and doesn't play with people. I like playing on my own. So it's like, it was literally this thing of being like, and it fucked me because of the fact that I built this whole system where the, the, these two cities would work as commuter cities and these people were just getting lost. I don't know where they were going. And that annoyed me. I mean, That's it, kind of sad. I want to read like a short story about what happens to those 1,500 people every like day. X-Files I can't episode, tell you. <laughs> it's like Fringe, but like, yeah. yeah. Another 15,000 people turn to goop. <laughs> My Fringe reference is always from episode one. <laughs> um... But yeah, it's there's a few games now. We actually ran on Kotaku UK this morning. We ran a story about one year on is SimCity actually good yet? 
And it's very strange that we now have this situation where you can play a game and it's literally a different game a week later or two weeks later or six yeah. months later. And it's changing the way that the game's media works as well because you can't review that shit. You know, it's just impossible. And you try and review League of Legends, it's a different game every year or so. At yeah. least. No, precisely. I mean, it just changes constantly. Um, what did you? What was your verdict then? On Grand Theft Auto Online. On uh, SimCity's changes. Um, basically, it's the same game, slightly improved, mm. but a lot of the basic faults haven't been dealt with. Like the city size, the cities are the city, tiny. Yeah, the, the, basically the city sizes are still the main. He said the city sizes and the um, the traffic system. Yeah. Still don't work properly. Raising and lowering roads is a bit janky. The thing was, I was actually kind of like, I wasn't like on the side with them, but I was willing to believe their argument, right, about having the small cities and because of this emphasis on yes you've got small cities but the idea is we want you to make all these different cities that interact with each other and support each other yeah. and to not focus on trying to build the big city that is perfect but to build different cities that serve different purposes and try and think about you know um, social sort of status and economies well, and I, li- stuff. I liked but then, the idea because they didn't it work, didn't work mm. yeah. because it didn't work I was like well actually no because I was really into that and I was like because there were some really smart things about it that I really liked whereas I, I liked the way that Rather than just having this emphasis on the way SimCity in the past always felt, is people just going, your city isn't good enough. Yeah. Fix it. I'm building this perfect city. Whereas it felt like in the new SimCity, I liked the way it was like, you can't build a perfect city. You can build a city that's really good for something. And I love, there were a couple of things that I felt were quite dark, but it was this thing of being like, um, oh yeah, you've got too many schools, so the people here are getting quite educated and so they don't want to work in the coal mines and you've got a coal mining town. So it's like, how about you don't make them so educated? So you would you would purposefully like make sure that A, they didn't have like too many schools, didn't have too many nice amenities. And it's like, this that is, is dark. dark. <laughs> but they, it, I remember when they were, before they released it, they were talking about that. They were like, you can make a big fossil fuel city and yeah. you can do that and it will be dark. You know, and, and there's, there's the the idea of actually trying to get some sort of not realistic, but at least representative um, sort of that's the thing. It was goes I, at like real life macroeconomics like that is really really interesting. And that's me. the thing that annoyed me is that because there was all this like kind of and it's the same way people talk about hype and people like you know a lot of like kind of gamers who who are very skeptical of journalism process and stuff like that they, they'll bitch about stuff like you know SimCity and go oh well reviewers should have told us it was shit and stuff and, but then actually in the same way that they complain about hype and the fact that everyone's like oh you've, you've got too drawn in by hype and you haven't told us this game isn't very good um, they were creating this blockade where it was impossible to have a conversation about SimCity uh, that wasn't this game is fucking shit. This game is everything. And it was a shame because there were those interesting things to talk about that game and it was just impossible because I made a couple of videos about it when I was in my old job and every time it was like, why are you talking about this game? It was like a pariah. Mm. We were not allowed to talk about it. But it was a shame because I I liked the way that it was this thing of like, um, you kept being like, oh, I want to make if you wanted to do the good stuff, like the green energy and the high-end yeah, stuff... Yeah, yeah, the, the high university... It's expensive, Yeah, right? really expensive. <laughs> so it's like... So you sort of think, well, we have to do this. And you, ha- you have to do all of the the kind of lowbrow... You had to have, like, a lowbrow city nearby that you could basically steal all the workforce yeah. from. Yeah, and if you're playing single-player, you'd have to, like, basically set up dummy cities exactly, to supply yeah. you with uh, but it, yeah, low if, income. It, but it, it was more about that's social dark. engineering. That's basically how mm. London works. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And that's the thing is, like, when I was playing it, I was like, fuck. As somebody, as somebody living in a city who has spent time looking at cities and understanding that these different parts of the city have to be there to support the other parts, it was like, shit. This game is actually a, about that, and it's in a way that wouldn't have worked if it was a traditional big, one big city game. One, it's just a shame that they fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the founders of IGN ended up doing his degree in like urban planning because of SimCity. That's, that's why he chose his degree. <laughs> it's because he played a lot of SimCity. But it is that thing of like, you, you realise where you're like, oh, it's great, I'm storming towards it. We're going to get all this amazing stuff. You know, it's amazing. Oh, we're going to be this highly advanced society. That's but then you get to this point where you realise it's like, oh, there isn't enough room for uh, this. And I mean, that, that's the one thing I did like about the small city size is it's like, I've got a third of my map being taken up by rubbish. And you go, I can't do any more rubbish. Can't do any more rubbish. And you go, um, you guys over there, I'll pay you. Like, and you end up paying a, another city. And then that city is basically getting loads of subsidy for taking the rubbish away. But it's that thing of being like, you know, I think it's something that we don't think about enough in the world of being like landfills. That's it. It's like rubbish is permanent. And and the only way to get rid of it in SimCity is by burning it. And it means if you do start to max out the cities, it's like, 
What do you want to do with rubbish? You can either burn it and fuck up the environment, or you can pay some people from a poor area to burn it and fuck to up go and live next to it. Yeah. yeah, and it's like that's kind of cool. This is it, though. That's that's the whole the whole thing that I think SimCity should do is is make us aware of also how the physical characteristics of a place determine what happens there. Like, why do all the world's major cities? Why are they all near rivers? Like that, things like that. Just the basic topography of like how a place works and how the the, ca- the character of the people who live there is actually determined by what you put in front of them. Mm. Yeah, it's all really, really interesting stuff. That's, that's something you don't get in the new Sim City because the the plots that you're building on are all prescribed. Right. Whereas in the older Sim Cities, you had a huge region, and then you could sort of plop your city next to a river. You, you made that choice to put it next to a river yeah, because yeah. you get hydro energy. But in terms of mean, and stuff. in terms of amenities and stuff, that, that's I mean that's the main thing. Like it's like you know that you you will shape your people depending on what amenities they have and what what opportunities they have. Um, but I also love the way that in, in contrast to The Sims, which has this really tongue-in-cheek, like, isn't capitalism basically silly? Um, the New Sims City was just really cold. It was like, it, was, it didn't have any opinion on it. It would just, it would just very calmly advise mm. you what you have to do if you want to continue doing this. And it was that thing of like, yeah, I thought it was quite, I found it quite dark at times for, yeah. for reasons that wasn't like being tongue-in-cheek dark. It was just like, oh, if you want to do this, then, you know, oh, you want to continue being a coal mining company? Fine. You need to make people stupid. Yes. Fantastic art style. I lo- absolutely love the art style. Yeah. So it looked like a toy, toy like. Yeah. I loved the, the whole the animation of it was great. I love the miniature stuff. It was awesome. Interesting that you mentioned Fringe because the guy who does the music for Fringe, Chris Tilton, also did the music for SimCity. Oh, that makes sense. Ah, i got to say, actually, the music and sound design, that I think was one of the reasons I got so hooked. Well, it's my writing music. Whenever I want to get something done, I pop the SimCity soundtrack on. That's a good tip. It, so. It's funny. I mean, it's one of those games where I, I don't think it's an amazing game, and I did I did get tired of it, and I did get fed up with it after a while. But I must have spent about thirty hours in a week. I got really addicted to it, and it didn't feel like the kind of addiction that you feel dirty from. You know, I play yeah. some games, and I feel like I feel like I'm only playing it because I'm being manipulated. Yes, I've got that relationship at the moment with FTL. <laughs> <laughs> we I talked a bit about it last week, but carry go for it. I'm interested. I, I love FTL, but it's become my default thing I do when I'm not doing anything else now. So if I have a minute of downtime, I just start a game of FTL. You always take longer than you think, don't you? It does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes I mean, like two hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's good for my commute because um, I come into London from from Brighton, so it's like an hour and an hour ish on the train, hour and twenty minutes in the morning. And uh, that's like one solid run at FTL, one mm. really solid run. But the problem is that it started just encroaching. Like I wake up and I'm like, "Ooh, do I have time for FTL before shower?" Yes. <laughs> and then I'll be like, "Oh, no time for shower now." <laughs> FTL has literally made me dirty. It is. It is. That's the thing. Is it, it is very addictive, and I like it a lot. But the more I've played it, the more I've started to notice cracks, and the more I've started to feel like it's not me continuing to play it because I'm continuing to, to find to enjoy new it, and interesting yeah. things. It's more yeah. I'm just addicted to it. That's, that's why I feel now like I was enjoying it so much. I, I actually beat it. I beat only on, only on easy. But I, I, did, I did beat it. 35 hours. Never I was, I was so done. freaking proud of myself. Once. On I easy or on normal? On easy. Yeah, I don't think I know anyone who's done it on normal. No. It's and so the, hard. The advanced edition adds a higher level of difficulty as well. Which is Lol, like, no thank you. No, don't need that. Um, it, I think there's a criticism that people are often afraid to make up games, which is that they're too difficult. Oh, and yeah, I think people, are, people are always afraid to make too difficult. Because I've, the I've, comeback is, well, you're just not good enough. At or it. that's the point of the game. Yeah. Uh, we I'm, about having, it, that, I'm yeah. having that issue with Dark Souls 2 at the moment, in that um, yeah, I'm a massive, massive, massive Dark Souls fan. I was, you know, and Demon Souls. I was the first person to review Demon Souls in English. Which is probably going to be the best thing I ever do in my whole life. <laughs> pretty <laughs> cool. Bring that game to some people. I found yeah. it in a Japanese. That's the sort of thing that people would say, and I go, "Yeah, whatever." But I'm not actually because I love that series enough. I'm like, "Oh, that's cool. That's cool." <laughs> I found it in a um, in Japan when I was living in Japan. I just found it in a shop, and I thought, "What's this? I've never heard of this." I took it home, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is one of the best games I've ever played." Did you yeah. go back to the shop the next day and it had gone? <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine what it'd be like to play one of those games without. Like just discovered. I, I ended it up googling it after because this is. I just literally flipped through, bought it, took it home, played it. Was like, Whoa. and then I googled it and found like a gap thread and a few other things. But there was there was no real nothing really going on. So it was proper, and no one had written about it. And no one even knew it existed really. So that was that was. I mean, it was really exciting because once you know it kind of got a little bit of traction. And I reviewed it for Eurogamer back in the day, and once it got traction there, other people started reviewing it, and then eventually it came out in the US and Europe. And I was like, wow, I was a tiny part of that happening. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But um, Dark Souls Two, I have a problem with it, not because it's too hard, because it's it's not too hard. It's just that the type of hard that it goes for yeah, often I'm, gangs up on you. Well, I that, freaking hate it when it gangs up on you. Yeah. So it's not mm. it's not fun to fight three sentinels. 
It's no, not, I'm, I'm not having you fun. Know, I've exactly had this. I'm, I'm still kind of processing my thoughts. I haven't even finished it yet. Actually. No, neither have I. I'm only about I, three quarters I, through. I, it's one of my, it's top of my to-do list actually after I've moved this just to spend a few days playing Dark Souls 2. <laughs> I've just um, got to three bosses, all of which are cheap, ganky bullshit well, and I just can't be bothered anymore now. That's I a, will go back. The Sentinels really annoyed me and it's funny because I've been doing this sort of diary series where I've been like just playing a bit every day and then re- recording bits and doing voiceover and talking about what I've been doing. And it's funny because I'm like, I've complained in one of my recent videos saying I'm finding it a bit too easy generally and I think and then everyone's like yeah but in the in most of the boss fights we've seen you do you've been summoning in people and I think that's because the game set a precedent for it that I've now got to the point where because it never feels like that, that because that Sentinel's boss is so very much like you have to you can't, I'm sure you can I mean, do you, it on you your own you can physically do it pro, on your own if you really want but it's but clearly who's meant got the, who's got the time it's clearly meant because it's, it's three like bosses it's like going Steven mm. Smile like yeah. yes it's physically possible to do it by yourself but you're not you know the game is, is encouraging you to get other people well, that's to help it. I mean I, I did that on my own original one it was fucking did hell did you? yeah Christ but I just because I when I was first playing it it was um, like when it either like, you know, I had the same experience yeah, as you it was, same, it, was, it was not fucking balanced it wasn't out at that point it wasn't out it wasn't balanced and there wasn't any multiplayer which I didn't meant- finish Dark Souls for more than a year after that because <laughs> I was so traumatised by Orange and <laughs> fucking smell the fact that you couldn't get any humanity because they didn't have humanity drops in the pre-release version no they, they, they completely buffed it up they're like well, got- oh everyone's running out of humanity let's put it in loads yeah, of stuff yeah and also they oh Christ there were so they, many they things about the, game. the, the cursing, cursing they fixed yeah. new cursing used to halve your fucking health every single time I was going through that game with a sixteenth of a health bar yeah. at one point yeah, it's hell. Uh, yeah, it's just it was just oh, it was awful. It's genuinely. I've hell. really enjoyed not playing like not playing Dark Souls two until it was out for a few weeks, and I was like, oh, this is just normal. That's why. That's mm-hmm. kind of why balanced. I did a thing. I did a thing where I, I, I made a video, and it was tough. There wasn't really much to say on the matter, but it was like this thing of when Dark Souls two was coming out. I knew I wasn't really going to trust the reviews, and I wasn't going to trust the reviews because everyone I knew who had played the first Dark Souls enough to really appreciate what it is and to appreciate what it was they wouldn't want to review it. Exactly, yeah. And so I knew that all the people reviewing it would just be people who review games. And that's fine, and you can get information out of that, but really it was like, I kind of thought, like, none of the people are going to be... None of the reviews I'll read at launch will be, like, really giving me an insight into what the game is like. And I was right. I read a lot of them, and, you know, there were some okay reviews, but it was like... Everybody I know who really knows the series is like, you're reviewing that? Like, Hell no. Like, I'm staying away from that. Mm. Yeah. And with specialist games, that is a kind of problem. But, it um, is. I mean, it, well, this, this is the problem that we have in general in the games media is that a lot of games now have people who are playing it that are much more informed about the game than the people who are reviewing it. Yeah. And, you know, Souls is one of the very few games that Monster Hunter and maybe like two others That's where, where, I'm, where I'm like as informed as the, you know, as, as a very informed player. Most games I don't have the time to be. I'm supposed mm. to be putting together a big dissection of Dark Souls 2 and I'm going to, but it's like I've already got people like linking me to loads of uh, critiques of the game and stuff. People have completed it three or four times. It's like, oh, I don't have time. Like, um, it's also like the economy of how publishing reviews works and that. You like, don't have two weeks to spend on it, do you? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, like reviews of things like that and 200, 300 hour RPGs and stuff they're difficult to really come at it from the right angle, especially yeah. if you, you can't give that to a freelancer because they'll be working for pennies an hour. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you end up giving it you end up giving it to a freelancer who doesn't mind working pennies an hour, which is just mm. dreadful and completely backwards. Mm. But, um, you know, I mean, with with the Souls, with Souls, uh, it's so personal to me, I wouldn't want to review it now. No, you know, same. I, like, with I with two, to. I was like, I know that I'm not going to feel, I'm not going to feel objective about this. And that's that's fine. It's okay to not to not to not, you know, it's okay to to feel so attached to a series that you you can't be like. But have you not have attached you not, about it? Have you not got beyond the Sentinels yet? Oh no, I have now. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm like three quarters of the way through the game, but I'm stuck at I'm stuck at three really annoying bosses. The main thing is that I've got a Dex build, and I'm stuck at the freaking 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 gargoyles again. I've heard there's gargoyles. There's, yeah. Do you want me, you, I've, well, I, I've, I I've already heard it. I mean, don't spoil it for the podcast, but I, okay, I've yeah. heard about that. There's, there's a really bullshit. Point. And that sounds kind of bullshit. It's, it's bullshit on about nine levels. That I could go into <laughs> extreme detail on, but um. But every yeah. time the game's fucked me over so far, it has just been it's thrown way too many things at me at once. That's it. It's always there's too many things at once. And it's for I feel like it, reli- it relies too much on that. And I don't think that Souls ever did rely on. Here's just lots of stuff. I think it was always a bit. It was a bit cleverer. In my opinion, no. so far again, I've not finished it, but I think it was I think clever. there were a couple of occasions I remember it happening. Well, actually, I think the only time I really recall of it being doing that without any knowledge, like obviously in the original Dark Souls, you had that that bit with the lava where you could see all of those uh, <laughs> those big dudes. Yeah. What they called the fucking the, what's his name the demons, capra demons. 
Uh, yeah, well, they're not the capital. There were loads of them as well. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was the fact that you could see them, like from miles away. You could see them. You're like, there's about four of them down there. And you're like, that was the first boss I fought. But I don't know if I want to fight oh, four of them. Oh, the tourist demons. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it was the fact that like you knew, you because you could see them, that you knew even way before you fought them that that was a thing. And you, you then you had time to prepare for it and mentally prepare for it. I think the only time in the game it really ganged you that I recall properly was that bit quite near the start. Uh, in the Undead Parish where there's a point where one of those really weak dudes ran off down a corridor and you chased That's after right, him yeah. and you got jumped by five of them and that was lovely because of the fact that those enemies were so piss weak and so pathetic and you weren't afraid of them in the slightest that you didn't realise that when there was five of them yeah. they could mince you like, well, and that, that was like great because it wasn't really about aha we've fucked you with loads of people it was about being like paying you the mm. the lesson of being like you didn't think that they were you didn't dangerous. Think it through. And That's they it. Are it always dangerous. feels funny and clever when Souls does it. And Souls 2, I'm really enjoying it, but I do feel like it, it relies quite heavily on ganking, um, you know, for the difficulty. I mean, the bosses are either weirdly easy or there's three of them. That's that's my current experience of the game. Yeah. And also, another strange thing about it is that so far, I've not come across, and I've been told this does improve in the last bit of the game, but so far, I've not come across a boss with the majesty and the kind of tragic majesty of any of the of the Dark Souls ones like I've never seen anything that's made my jaw hit the floor I think it's always in. been like oh here's a, a giant that rips off a limb and hits that, you with it it's a bit like oh. that ties into my general problem with the game so far is the fact that it doesn't feel like it would uh, with both Demon Souls and Dark Souls it felt like they create a world that you would would traipse through very slowly but it felt like well obviously the first game was individual worlds that were all meant to be specific yeah, yeah. very tonally different but really well thought out. God, Dark Tower Souls. of Latria, man. Yeah, I'll was, never forget the Tower yeah. of Latria in my life. It's the best insane asylum in any game. But now, and then with this, with Dark Souls, it was this open world that wasn't actually that big, but the way it all interconnected it meant you, some people hated it because they felt it was backtracking, but personally it was like, I just felt like you becoming more acquainted with the place and you got to really feel like yeah. it was a world and you understood how it connected and you thought about it more. Whereas Dark Souls 2 currently just feels like it feels a bit. It seems like a shit complaint to make, but it feels a bit like a video game. It feels like you go through areas and then you don't go back to them. Like you, you go back to them because there's a merchant there you need yeah, to buy it's, something it's, from. It's, it's, like, it's, it's weird though because like any any normal like on any normal scale, Dark Souls is an incredible game. Yeah. But on the Souls fan scale, it's like just not maybe quite as incredible as the other one. Just elements I of think. it feel a bit more disposable. I need yeah. more time to play it and more time to think about it. But I, th- I, hate, I hate to be one of those people because I feel like I'm being an asshole about it and I'm being like, oh yeah, we were there before. We were there first. But it's, I'm, it, that's not the motivation behind, I think, a lot of Souls players slight... I and mean, it's not that they hate it or they think it's shit. It's just they're just not quite as... You know, it's just not the same. There've been some moments. I mean, I, I love the fog. Um, the fog. I've got. I love the fog. There was a bit with the fog. The fog forest. Yeah. That is just because class, it, it scared actually. the shit out of me. That is absolutely and it was like, class. I was just like, I was terrified. And it's funny because I it was in my I think my most most recent diary video was like I'm talking about it and I'm talking about it like maybe an hour and a half after I'd done it, just being like, okay, I was in this fog forest. It scared the shit out of me. But it's almost like actually, if you look at the footage of me playing it, you don't really need to listen to me saying that it scared the shit out of me. Because <laughs> this is the thing: if I walk in, I just stand there with my shield up, doing nothing, just looking around 360 with the camera for about a minute, and then just walk back. And I'm just like, I don't want to go in. I don't. And I spent ages just being like, I don't want to go through here. But it's like eventually, I'm like, I have to. And so I spend ages like very gradually stepping forward very slowly and I, you think you can hear shit and you're like and in the end I, I, I properly panicked it was like it was like horror movie thing and it was genuine I just started running I just started sprinting through it because I was scared and it, it got to me in the way that I would in real life of being like very slowly going through and then just being like fuck it <laughs> if I just keep running in one direction I'll get to the end of something that and then it's like hitting a wall and being like fuck <laughs> fuck right go left 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 and that reminds me of a time when um, I was uh, drunk in Japan with a friend and we decided we were going to go into the I can't remember the I think it's Obaka but the uh, ghost house um, and Japanese ghost houses are freaking scary like really scary and this one was it was, it was part of like a Matsuri circus kind of thing and it was pretty janky but me and my friend were a bit drunk and it was dark and everything. So we were kind of walking through this house and scary shit was happening and lots of kind of ring, grudge, weird, horrible, weird stuff was happening. And after about five minutes, we just started sprinting because we were too scared of it. So we'd like screaming and yelling and sprinting through this house. And we end up in this dead end and there's like this kind of zombie guy there and we were just screaming at him. And eventually he's just like, ooh, starts pointing left. Like, ooh. <laughs> and we're like, oh, thank you. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> we have 
Oh, you're a signpost zombie. <laughs> but it was funny because you saw it being scary for about 30 seconds while we just kept screaming and then just gently, gently gesturing. <laughs> I legally can't them. touch you. You have to leave this room. <laughs> I still think a lot about the 28 um, hours. Was it 28? Uh, 2.8 hours later. Yes, that's it. Which is the like the London zombie run, which runs across the country as well. We were there, weren't we? Yeah, oh, we did, yeah. did you yeah. do that? Mm. Yeah, me I, I didn't did do it because I'm, I'm genuinely deathly afraid of zombies. Like, I once slept in my hall after watching an episode of The Walking Dead because in my mind they couldn't get me in the hall. So I slept by myself in the hall, like in a blanket. It it's was really, the middle of the night. It's <laughs> really scary. Um, I mean, they basically cut off an area of South London, not that far from here, actually. Mm. Oh, that's Scary. Yeah, it was. Um, what was it like? Tell me about it. Well, so they have a bunch of volunteers who are dressed up as zombies, the shambling zombies, and running. They are oh, running they've got zombies, zombies as well. Too. They've got zombies. Um, but the moment you get given your wristband and they say, "Right, it's begun. Here's your first clue," this new sort of your mood just changes and yeah. everything. Suddenly, London becomes really threatening and weird, and like all the other normal pedestrians and traffic just sort of disappears, and you're just scouring the the uh, the, the roads and the alleyways for zombies. And the first one comes out of a park on like Bermondsey Street, in like a in a hospital dressing gown. I just went away. I just went away. Well, we did. Exactly. We did. We did. Oh, screaming. Immediately ran into the middle of the road, which they tell you not oh, to no. do. But you just you, lo- you, you probably forget. lose you your lose, mind. You, you start it. running into the street. You start. You, you don't think for a second how ridiculous you look to everyone around no, you. It's but they have loads of sort of uh, set up areas like they lead you into like a multi-story car park and you have to get yeah, to the top because you have... need you need the next clue of where to go next and so they force you into positions. Oh where no you... no no! So there was a bit the multi-story no, no, car no. park was the, I think that was the first time I got got because basically like it kind of breaks it for a split second when they catch you they basically means if you oh, get course, touched yeah. by a zombie you have to stop and they draw on your arm with a, a, a UV marker so they, mm. basically so they, uh, they, so they can see again enough. that you've been got but you'd be so scared until you were got oh, wouldn't you you'd just be me. like and then, yeah. then you get got and you're like oh yes this is it was so scary like I was properly freaking out they have like human actors as well well act the actors who are acting human. Oh no, um, do they get eaten sometimes in front of you? They do. Oh, I guess so they'll probably change it up every year, so yeah, I don't think it's a yeah. spoiler to say like there was a there was a, a school teacher who'd gone mad and thought that we were her students and she was giving us all sweets. And there was like a mad professor who developed like um, a repellent, like a zombie repellent. Yeah. And you had to get to him and huddle close to him. And all the zombies started amassing like four feet away from us. Oh. And uh, he'd like run away and draw them. And you'd have to like run as fast as you can to get out through this tiny gap. And it was, oh. it was insane. And but it, it ends with you getting to the zombie HQ. Yeah. Where they put you they in a decontamination you. chamber. Yeah. And, they, and they basically like scan you to see if you're a zombie or not. And it ends with a big zombie party where like, if you got through without being caught, then you're fine. But otherwise, they kind of do you up to look like a zombie, and then you're going to have a bar. But it was almost like I couldn't enjoy the party because it was like it was a nice idea, but like my mind was still so much in yeah. the terror survival zone. That I got there, and it was like this is no time for drinks. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I was a changed man. I remember because we got split up at one point, and it was like, oh my god. What oh were god. you? Were you on your own? Well, no, I, I, think... I, I don't think I could even handle this. My brain, I don't have a very good, my brain's not very good at distinguishing between what's real and what isn't at the best of times, let alone when people are trying to trick me. Well, it's like Steve about <laughs> saying, like, running into the road, like, we, we behaved, like, so strangely. Uh, and there was a point at which I, sp- I tried to sprint past these zombies and I sprinted with such speed and then, and then was going to go down this corridor and then realised that there were more zombies there. Oh, no! So I had to basically, like, continue running at full speed and, and do a thing where I just suddenly had to change my direction of my running quite rapidly whilst maintaining the inertia and I was going really fast and as you might know that's not you can't do that <laughs> so basically I managed to keep going quite fast for some way curving around and then just completely like lost my gravity and just fell and I just bailed oh, no. And I just, I bailed and hit my hands on the floor, but I'd like cut my hand open. And it was one of those things where I, I hit the concrete with such force. It wasn't a, a, like a graze. It was like, I like it, like, I basically stabbed myself with asphalt and ble- it was bleeding okay. a tiny bit. But it was this thing of then I was like, I got up and everyone was like, oh shit, Matt, you all right? You all right? And I was just like, my immediate, I, was, I wasn't going, oh, I'm bleeding. I've cut my hand You're open. You're gone without me. <laughs> I yeah. literally, I was like, it's fine. They, I think the first thing I said to Mike, I said, it's fine. They didn't get me. <laughs> because it was like, I was so in that mindset that I'm like, I'm hurt, but they didn't bite me. I so had, it's fine. I had an experience like that with um, another sort of real game where it called The Heist, 
where me I've heard about this it was yeah. good they basically they rent out a warehouse and they have guards and essentially a group of five of you have to get in infiltrate the warehouse get stuff out get to the getaway vehicle and drive away um, but the problem was that we were so I was doing this with another another games person called called Dan Dan Grill and he and I were playing it alongside basically three kind of quite posh students and me and Dan went into immediate like video game fail state mode where we were like if we get caught then it's game over man game over so we were being really careful we were like sneaking around we were trying to disable traps and stuff meanwhile the three students just ran in set off all the alarms just picked up some stuff got put in jail it was all fine they just weren't they just weren't in the moment whereas we were both just like if we get caught something really bad will happen even though all that's actually going to happen is that a dude's going to (laughs) put you in a square that's taped off and so you, could, you can't thing. move for a minute now. The zombie thing really got under your skin. And I think what was lovely about it was there were moments where we start to forget about it. I remember when we thought we'd cheat the system because we just looked down this road and we're like, there's zombies down that road. Let's not go down that road. Let's go around this road and go around the side. And then we just started chilling out. And we were just walking along and chatting and laughing and just basically like thinking... And then I turned around. Zombie films. That's when the zombies get you. And there was this thing of I basically just turned around, glanced around to look behind me to just check, and there was a zombie just walking behind us, about ten feet behind us. And I literally just went, guys, (laughs) I'm just like started hitting them on the back, and everyone turned around and looked, and then we all just immediately everyone. It, I, don't, I actually don't think I could do it, you know. I think it would really it would probably traumatise me forever. I'd be in a mental asylum. It traumatised me substantially. It was I got I got way more into it than I thought I would, and I knew I'd get into it. Actually, on this note, actually, uh, um, we're going to be doing it next month. Uh, I don't know when what will come out of it, but um, me and the rest of the guys from Shut Up, Sit Down have uh, have got, we're going along to something in Kent, I think, which is called Watch the Skies, which is basically a kind of like a full day with like loads of people. Um, where it's basically like XCOM, but in real life. So I think we're in control of Japan, <laughs> collectively. I think I'm the prime minister and someone else is the general military thing. Nice. I've no idea what the that hell it's going like to be like, fun. but it, hopefully that will, because I love XCOM more than... I love XCOM. More than anything. More than zombies. Probably more than zombies, yeah. <laughs> I think if, if they were going to make a... Oh, imagine they made a TV series about XCOM. That would be so good. It would be good, wouldn't it? Imagine how good it would be. What was that awful American TV series that was a uh, V? Oh, yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> That's a little bit like XCOM, isn't it? It's, it's, got bit, that, yeah. it's got that really hot woman from Homeland in it. V. Claire. I don't know her name. <laughs> so I have no idea. Singing. You can say anything. I'm like, yeah, probably. Probably her. I think that aliens are... This is going to be sound like a hilarious statement, but I feel like aliens are currently underdone in video games. I really feel like we could do with more XCOM-style good aliens. Because aliens can be as scary as zombies. I'm really hoping that the um, current thing they're doing, Firaxis are doing, with bringing back like Civ space stuff, like it's kind of an Alpha Centauri callback almost. With their what's it called like? Civ- I can't remember civilization. Civilization planets. Earth. <laughs> it's, not, it's not called that. It's called something, but um, they're doing space stuff, and it's it'll be like their own space stuff. Um, I'm really hoping that they use that as a kind of maybe testing ground, maybe kind of springboard to do something new with XCOM because I was so worried that they were going to fuck up XCOM um, and not do it justice. But the game they made, the original XCOM remains one of my favorite all-time games and the new one remains one of my favorite all-time games, but for different reasons. They're just amazing. And I kind of almost felt like after playing it and after seeing what they did with the expansion and seeing all the interesting things they had and interesting ideas they had, I'm like... Everyone's like, oh, I hope they do Terror for the Deep. It's like, I don't want them to do Terror for the Deep. I, I want them to like... I think they've proven their shit, and now I want to see them do a new XCOM game where they just make it up all themselves, like where they don't have to do sectoids and mutons and yeah, yeah. floaters and stuff, where they literally just... It's like they've, they've earned their their badges, like they just let them do it. And I'm really hoping that they release a new XCOM where like, yeah, like you say, with aliens being not done Aliens are so scary when, you know, I mean, we think think about it. You can you can make anything you want with an alien. Yeah, you know, you can get really, really dangerous. I, had some I thought, thought XCOM was was you know it was it was jump scary. So I still get pretty scary with the atmosphere actually because when I'm playing it for the I don't like those big thin men. Oh, I hate them. They're horrible. Yeah. I think I think there's a rotation of aliens. Zombies, ninjas, pirates. Ah, uh, I'd be up for some more pirates. Actually, it's been a while since we've had some. We've just had Assassin's Creed. Oh, that's a very good point. I haven't actually had to play it yet. I'm, I'm pirate film. I, I actually played like thirty hours of that. It just, just slipped my mind entirely. Mm. See, Assassin's Elite Creed. Um, yeah. Elite Dangerous. I don't know if you ever played the original Elite or any of the Elite games. They have an alien race. So when you leap from system to system in Elite Space Trading Classic, um, you go through 
hyperspace. You go through these hyperspace wormholes, but for the few seconds that you're in the wormholes, you're in something called witch space, Ooh. which is all like pink and weird and no one really knows what happens in witch space. Um, and in that space, there are Thargoids and one in 500 times they can pull you into which space when you're hyper? So every time you hyper jump, you could get abducted by this alien race. Oh, I that's, don't like that's it. terrifying. And they, that's really scary. they were like really mysterious insectoid. That's great. It's just like, it's like yeah, you literally just properly fingers crossed. Yeah. I used, also, I used to spend a lot of time when I was a kid watching Stargate, which mm. I did find scary at the time. I then watched it again as an adult. It's not remotely scary. But um, also Farscape. And they're just, they're just yeah. like weird aliens. The thing I like about those shows is they have weird ass aliens. Yeah. I started watching um, Star Trek: Next Generation uh, again recently, just mainly because it's not that much good on Netflix. But uh, also, no, I, I've got that like sci-fi. Try vibe, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that offensive? That sounds like an offensive comment. <laughs> Going to get called up for this <laughs> to, the, to the jury of ethics. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to more sci-fi alieny stuff. At the moment, and that's why actually Elite Dangerous. We're, we're definitely in a space awesome. mood, aren't we? We've got um, Star Citizen. We've got Elite Dangerous. We've well, Star got... Citizen will never come out. They'll <laughs> mm. mm. yeah. adding new seat coverings. Did you see the latest it. footage from it though? Uh, no. My God, it's, they've got too much money. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's destined to fail <laughs> mm. one way or another. It will. It will crash like a Ferrari. See, I am. I don't. I've never played a minute of Eve Online in my life because it's so nerdy. Like no, you don't, offense, you don't need no, to, do no you? offense to anybody who plays Eve Online. I have immense respect for the game. It's mm-hmm. I've been to FanFest twice. I'm going again next week. I love it, but I'm I can't play it. I'll see you Are there. you yeah. brilliant? Have you ever been before? No. Omg! <laughs> going to FanFest. <laughs> <laughs> Put you in our luggage, Matt. But but yeah, the I mean Eve Online. I'll never play it because it's just too it's too it's too Star Trekky for me. Like I like big explodey space. I it's not. I loved Eve Online for I played it for about a year of my life. I spent oh, in that you? game. And I'm a big fan of single player, even in MMOs. Like, I prefer mm. questing by myself. Mm. And I begrudgingly do all the guild stuff when you have to in the, yeah. like, in the end game. Uh, but with EVE Online, like, cooperation and corporations are built into the very core of how that game operates. Like, a few hours into the game, you're expected to sign up to a corporation and yeah. start working with them. And I just had such a low-level job. I sp- saved up all of my money and bought one of the uh, better entry level mining ships this that is exactly why I didn't play because I job was... to be king of the universe immediately <laughs> yeah. well my job was just to sit next to the, the asteroid belt while all of the other corporation members did all the mining and they just come up to me and they just dump their, their, their rock cargo all their minerals onto my and I just sit there Good. <laughs> There's something weirdly perverse about that. You've got a history for that. We don't have time to I'm gonna next time definitely have to talk to you about the Space Station 13 because we both had similar experiences of being in oh, janitors. Yes. Yeah, and just being like so my job, mundane the job. The more you enjoy it, I especially think. in space. There's something about having a mundane job in, in space. space. Well, I love planet scanning in Mass Effect. Uh, that they was make... mundane and fun. Oh yeah, it was. Everyone complained about that. I loved I it. Loved I thought it was really soothing. You spend mm, Sunday mornings doing it. I scanned every fucking planet in that game, and that's insane. That's well, it was ridiculous. the sound effects that made it so nice. Like when you launch it, it went. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Ah, they should make a Dead Space prequel where you are just an engineer. <laughs> a standalone planet scanning game. I, I was gutted <laughs> On the when, iPad. <laughs> yeah. I was gutted when with three they said, don't worry, we've got rid of planet scanning. I, I was like, I never why? Played, you know, I never played three, and that's one of the reasons why. I, mm. I, I, was, I was blown away by it because up until that point, I was like, what? There was a pr- people had a problem with yeah, that? Like, put more I shooting in. Well, Great. Right. Mm. The shooting was very nice. The though. shooting was good, but it's not no, no planet scanning, is it? No, it's not. What is wrong with us? <laughs> <laughs> I like the Mako stuff when it wasn't expecting you to like dodge lava or fight in it. I like the Mako stuff as well. And they, did they get rid of the Mako in two? Yeah, yeah. They couldn't. They could never find an idea. That, well, the Mako was good, but the problem was they should have never had a section where you had to drive it and fight a worm or whatever. I mean, you yeah. were basically you were trying to evade towers and enemies whilst trying to avoid lava, and I kept falling in the lava, and it was like this isn't. It's like trying to wrestle a bouncy castle. It's you not. You can go over ramps happen. on the moon. That's that's just sells the Mako for me. Yeah. Also, didn't it go forwards and backwards? Like you could just randomly turn it around, like it was all four wheel terrainy, and you could you could it was like a you could like a sidewinder. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> it reminded me of, um, and it made me actually really, and maybe actually we have no idea. This is pure um, guessing, but this might be the sort of thing that we might get in No Man's 
No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. But I, I, what I loved about no Man's Sky. the Mako, more space. I know there's so I'm many things, it. and I'm, I'm sticking so, over in the, yeah. the rotation. It's it coming. Is, yeah. but, you know. And I'm so excited when it all hits. I'm, I might buy it. I saw Alec Mears bought a ridiculous joystick go from Rock Pepper Shotgun, and I might do that as well when it gets closer to. But um, I love with the Mako landing it and looking for stuff. It reminded me of uh, what's that called? It was called Star Something Star. Oh, I've forgotten. It was an old Mega Drive game. It was on Spectrum and stuff. Oh, and it was Starfleet or something. It was basically, it was a ridiculously hard game where you'd fly around planets and it would be really hard to land your ship without crashing it. And then you'd, you'd send a little mining thing out and you'd have to get, look for minerals and then bring it back before it ran out of fuel. But it was just, it gave you a real sense of like the universe being massive and unknown and dangerous mm-hmm. and just going out on a little planet and exploring it and not knowing what you'd find and every now and then most of the time you'd just be like minerals, minerals, minerals but then out of nowhere you'd be like flying around the sea and you'd be landing from space and you see a zoomed out version of the planet and you see something in the corner and you'd be like what the fuck was that? And you'd go over there and it'd be like an ancient temple or something and you'd be like what the fuck? Because all the planets no were, shit. all the planets just didn't have anything on it and it was that thing of being like driving um, up to it really, was, really cautiously. There was a Stargate MMO that was it was basically a massive money sink it was like oh, a, yeah. it was a huge scam eventually it wasn't it just out. a third person shooter well that they said was an MMO basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I remember being taken in a weird Hummer to see <laughs> this game and instead it was, it was like, like <laughs> <laughs> it was at Gamescom and they were just like okay, come see our demo and it was just a giant Hummer and I was like okay so I got and then just started driving and I'm like I'm going to be killed in the woods <laughs> <laughs> replaced with yeah. the, I believe I fell for the old come and yeah. see our demo <laughs> But it was just like a tiny, you know, what those like limo screens. It was like a tiny screen looping the YouTube trailer of Stargate and two quite sad looking men oh, no. who were kind of talking about what they thought. You were expected to be blown away by getting a car right. I know. That's basically, it's like, you can go in a car. Little <laughs> journalist. Yeah. You can even go in the front seat if you ask nicely. Well, that's me sold. Um, but yeah, it was. I still remember after reviewing uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 2 and we had to check out the, had to check out the zombies bit because that was part of the things we had to play extensively for the review and they'd organised it so we'd have spend a few hours mm. and they kept saying oh if you can beat this high score you'll win a t-shirt <laughs> and oh, it was just gosh. like and then eventually we beat the high score and he was like oh congratulations you've won the t-shirt and it's just like I don't want a t-shirt I'm not 15 yeah it's this thing of being like it was the thing of being like do you have any concept of how inappropriate this is of being like well done you've just won a prize for being good at the game you're reviewing it was this thing of me being like if I wasn't in a hotel in the middle of fucking nowhere I would be leaving yeah I mean (laughs) review events I review sorry go on I felt awful at a uh, for New Borderlands the pre-sequel is that what they actually called it it's called the the pre-sequel Um, they had some badges there and I thought badgers badges (laughs) (laughs) badges I would have taken a free badger yeah definitely definitely. yeah why not Borderlands themed plush badges I thought I thought it was the USB stick with the assets on it so I was like (laughs) get out of my way I'm getting one of these (laughs) and all of my all of my peers going Steve digging into the previews (laughs) (laughs) fill your pockets with pin badges (laughs) Stephen (laughs) pin badge Oh, it's terrible. Forget the mini burgers. I want a fucking bat. Oh, anyway, I forgot to ask any. I forgot to send out the um, the bat signal on Twitter this week to ask for questions. Uh, but it's probably for the best because we've run over. So uh, no questions this week. But next week we'll continue with some questions. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. And hopefully, when I press the button and stop recording this podcast, it will. A, save, and B, not make us sound like horrible Daleks. I would like to sound like... Could you just make me sound like a robot for the whole thing? (laughs) We don't have multi-track recording, so I'm afraid I simply don't have the technology to do that. We do not have the technology. To rebuild me as a robot. In the future, maybe. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.